with attitude i'm your host laura riz and i'm your other host caitlin adams and today we have some um fun tea and salad and dressing and wine (laughs) and wine we can't forget the wine so what are we going to be talking about today bud well we took some notes (laughs) um we are talking about don't worry darling and the whole situation surrounding the film uh, the drama, the dressing, uh, and also why I think this movie stands as an actual, you know, contender for award season, I think. For, you mean Oscars? Oh, yeah. Olivia and Florence are picking out their dresses. And possibly going to, you know, have a fist fight, but we'll get Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, so, so- <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> So I'm really excited to try this salad. Um, this is a salad that Jason Sudeikis apparently um, flung himself in front of Olivia's car in order to um, stop her from leaving to give her salad to someone else, a.k.a. Harry Styles. Yeah, like in the account, like he literally said, I knew she was making her salad for Harry. And hold on, I'm going to try it. Okay. Okay. Like, I get it. It's a salad. Without any foreseeable proteins, and we'll get into in a second, like, what this salad is, if you haven't seen the recipe online. Uh, uh, Olivia posted it, actually, online for her fans, after people asking about it millions of times. She posted it herself. And it's literally the most basic dressing in the world, but yet, somehow, you know, Jason Sudeikis is like, no, you can't feed that salad to anyone else but, but me. Um, so it's, it's endives. Yeah, it's it's a very dry salad. The traditional recipe, you juiced yours up a little bit, mm-hmm. which it looks like yours is a little bit tastier. The traditional recipe, which I have here, um, is endives, uh, watercress, watercress, and arugula. And then the vinaigrette, which is the actual like famous part, like this is the part that went viral, is red wine vinegar, grape poupon, and olive oil. And uh, that's it. And that's what I put in here. I I didn't put anything else. And uh, yeah, it's uh, really, really dry. Uh, You made a little bit of an adjustment. What, What is in yours? Yes. So I just did, I couldn't find endives at the grocery store. So what I did was I cut up a little bit of red onion. I cut up some cucumber. um, And then in the dressing, um, my grandmother gets this Italian seasoning that is like some from some Amish place. I don't know where she gets it. But she's like, if you ever need to like, if something's missing something, She's old school Italian. She's like, if something's missing something, just put a little dash of this in it and I'll make it a million times better. And so that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And mine's bitter, but like, but it's balanced. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I think what would really make this a little bit better is maybe some watermelon sugar. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, I think something to cut the bitterness a little bit would make it a little bit better. Um. It hits you in a weird way where I'm like, this is very tasty though. Like, can you imagine just being like sitting out on a veranda and like watching the sunset and like eating the salad in LA? Like, yeah, I get it. I do. I don't know if it's, you know, Brian was like, well, I mean, if a girl made me this salad, I don't think I'd end a marriage over it, but yeah. Oh yeah. And the wine pairing. Yes, we can't forget the wine. Um, so I believe Olivia uses a a red. Yeah, Cabernet. So I have a Cabernet Savion uh, Coppola. Mm-hmm. And what kind do you have? I actually have homemade grape wine, which is definitely a little bit sweeter uh, than a Cab, but uh, 
it's kind of balancing out all the acidity of the salad. So I'm liking the pairing. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the drama going into Don't Worry, Darling. Mm, so the yes. timeline, I, first off, I don't understand how you would ever leave Ted Lasso. Um, he just seems like such a little wholesome, charming man who definitely maybe has like a good, like, you know, bedroomized um, dick game going on. Like, I don't know. I, I And I feel like if this was going on during the last season of Ted Lasso, that's probably why it was so good. Because <laughs> if you watch Ted Lasso, like he's really in his character. Um, and you can really tell that like he he's feeling all the feels and he's really drawing some like his emotions from somewhere real. Yeah. In that last season. I haven't seen Ted Lasso at all. Uh, but every time I've ever seen Jason Sudeikis, he has like a really capturing energy. Um when he's on screen and like you said he really does put himself in the roles um in which he's playing so you really feel like he's a real person like he's it doesn't seem like a character it seems like he is that person um and he seems like he would give it all in his relationships like I feel like him and Olivia were like deeply in love for a very long time yeah I mean you have two kids together and then you know of course I mean, Harry Styles comes along and then, you know, you just kind of abandon ship there. Like, I don't know. Like, I I personally could never condone cheating, but also, like, I kind of get that Harry Styles is Harry Styles. So, like, I definitely would, you know, jump on an opportunity if Harry Styles like, hey, like, what's going on? And I'd be like, oh, my God. Yes, please. Um, right. But I feel like, too, was it that their marriage was already done? and uh they both knew it but she admitted it first kind of and just was like all right our marriage is done like I'm with Harry but they were pretty much done you know what I mean like they were they were divorced but it wasn't finalized and then like I also wonder like men do this all the time where they you know quote-unquote trade their you know spouse in for a younger model and like that's basically what like Olivia did so I kind of wonder if like you know the reason why she's received so much criticism as like a director as a woman director and like as you know a female is because like she is a woman and if like a man did this you know no one really bats an eye but because you know she decided to you know leave her husband for a younger man I don't know like I don't know yeah there's like a double standard there I guess is what I'm trying to say Right. No, I definitely understand that. I mean, there's like a few directors that I've seen that are males where not necessarily did they leave their spouses for someone younger, but the direct next person that they dated was like super, super younger and they didn't get any criticism. Like Robert Rodriguez, this was like years and years ago, um, but he directed a bunch of things like Once Upon a Time in Mexico and uh, a lot of The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Um he was married to his wife, mother of his children, like whatever. They were in their 40s. And then he started dating Rose McGowan, who was like in her mid 20s. And like no one cared. And it's like, yeah, no one cares at all. But then Olivia Wilde dates Harry Styles, who's like, what, eight years? Is it? I think he's 24, maybe. Okay. I didn't think he was that young. That's go, Olivia. Oof. Oh, actually, he's 28. Just kidding. Okay. So, yeah, like 10 years. That's not that much. Like, no, it's really not. Especially when you're like that much into adulthood. Like, I think an 18 year old and a 28 year old, that's a little bit jarring. But a 28 year old and a 38 year old, you're both adults. You've made developmental, you know, steps in your life that are going to make you an adult. Like, you know, like, I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think, I think it has partly to do with the fact that she's a woman. Like I just said, but I think it's more because of how it kind of overlaps with our marriage. Like but the no- timelines don't really match up. I don't know. Yeah. But also but- people love a conspiracy. I'm like, I mean, I'm not a Swifty, but there's a lot of Swifties that I do know that like are Googling, you know, the shit out of, um, you know, song titles, you know, about mm-hmm. you know, even what uh, Taylor Swift is wearing. And that's just too much of a commitment for me. But then again, like, you know, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. And I think that a lot of people are trying to always, I think, I think more now, like people are always trying to find like some kind of conspiracy or like some kind of like, oh my God, the timelines don't match up. And this is why, like everyone kind of, I think is more uh, into like, quote unquote, like, I guess, investigative 
journalism, but they're kind of not really going about it the right way. Right. Right. And it's people's lives. Like, I think you like to make this story up in your head and it seems fun um, because it's like a whole story that's like unfolding in front of you, but it is people's lives. And I think the draw with Taylor Swift is I think she stokes the fire and she controls her narrative. Um, that's like one of the, the, the biggest like lines that Taylor Swift has ever said, like I'm controlling the narrative, like, please exclude me from this narrative. Um, but yeah, I think that that's like the draw of her that she likes to be cryptic. She likes to almost be this character, like look at my life and I'm going to tell you what parts I want you to see and drop these hints here. So it's made us want to see those links and those connections everywhere. Like you said, um, But what strikes me as different about this situation is like when Olivia Wilde was served on stage and I think, I don't know if it was a PR event for Don't Don't Worry Darling. I I think think it was. was. I think it was like a presser or something. Yeah. She uh, was served subpoena papers. Like she was uh, like served uh, to go to court over, I guess, the divorce proceedings or custody or whatever. And uh, people thought that that was like a dig, like that he did that on purpose. He wanted her to be served on stage, but like he came out and said, like, I, I feel really bad. Like I did not want that to be like how it happened. It was so, April 27th, 2022, according to people. It feels uh, like years <laughs> ago since that happened, honestly, especially like in this timeline. Time. Yeah. Um, she was served <laughs> this is like the beginning. while promoting uh, Don't Worry Darling at CinemaCon. Unless I like hallucinated it, but I'm pretty sure Jason Sudeikis was like, wow, like, no, I didn't want to uh, serve those to her on stage, which makes me think they're a little bit more um, amicable than, you know, the press would make you believe. I mean, there's probably some bitterness and it's fun to be like, ooh, like she's making her dress thing for Harry. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, they're probably just like going through divorce, which sucks. Right. But did Harry sweep her off her feet? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. So while we're talking about the timeline, there's a lot of things that happened before. Don't worry, darling, before it actually got released. So I'm going off of the people timeline. Um, You know, people confirms that Olivia Wilde fired Shia LaBeouf. um, And that was like a whole separate thing. And then, you know, she is so excited to have Harry Styles come on. Um, and then in January, on January 5th, 2021, uh, there's seen photographs holding hands. And then, I don't know, she, she, I don't know, she's still going on about Shia LaBeouf in February of 2021. On my birthday, Don't Worry Darling, filming wraps on February 15th, 2021. Um, and then we get into December of 2021, where Olivia Wilde discusses highlighting uh, female pleasure in the film. Now. That was weird um, because if you see the film, we, we just, I don't know. I, I, yeah. The, I have- <laughs> yeah. So then anyway, let's, we'll get to the timeline. Uh, she gets served custody papers in April of 2022. Um, she appraises Florence Pugh on Instagram. Um, and then there's apparently like controversy with this too. And then Florence Pugh says, you know, don't worry, darling, shouldn't be reduced to sex scenes, which, you know, initially like the first, like when I wanted to go see this film, I was like, yeah, I just want to see Harry Styles eat someone out. Like, why not? Um, Right. (laughs) You know, and then Olivia Wilde calls Florence Pugh extraordinary and shuts down clickbait rumors, which I don't know, that's like a whole thing. Like, um, you know, I heard room, well, from what I read from like all the drama, I've heard that, you know, Olivia Wilde was um, not always professional with Harry Styles on set. Um, and that I think really pissed off Florence Pugh, who is, you know, considers herself to be, you know, a professional actor um, and takes it, you know, very seriously. Um, and then even in 2022, Shia LaBeouf is, you know, denying that he was fired. Um, Florence Pugh skips the Don't Worry Darling press at, at the Venice Film Festival. Um, with and her drink <laughs> yeah with her you know little fancy cocktail and her bomb ass outfit mm. um and then there was you know harry styles and chris pine spit gate <laughs> <laughs> stop pause i feel like we could go through this timeline and pretty much like not brush or like expand upon any of the points but spit gate needs to be expanded upon we need to talk about it right now 
I don't, um, I don't know. That whole premiere when you watch it is just so <laughs> weird. There's just like a lot of awkward things happening. Like, I, I don't know. Harry's like ignoring Olivia Style or Olivia Wilde. I don't know why I called her Olivia Styles. Maybe that's like me, like, like Julia Styles. Yeah, like Julia Styles. I don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah, Spitgate. Uh, that was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed that. I think, I, I don't know. Like, so that was a weird dynamic. Like, Chris Pine and Harry Styles have like a weird, weird, weird ass dynamic with each other during that whole scenario. <laughs> So I think that, okay, so Chris Pine is, like, a kind of semi-serious actor. Like, he's definitely been, like, objectified on some roles. Like, he's, like, a, like a hottie, like, a little bit. But he's kind of, like, the plain guy. Um, but I think he's he, just he, getting so much filler and, like, messing with his face. Because it's oh, getting I know. a little much. It's getting yeah. a little much. Um, he kind of looks like a soccer mom. Yeah, like, he, oh, my God, he totally does. He does. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's getting way too much work done to his face. Like, he, need, he, he needs to relax. And maybe that was what Spitgate was about. You know, Harry Styles was like, Psh, like, Spitgate on you know, Chris Pine. Like, dude, stop fucking with your face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but <laughs> I think okay so I think he is like kind of semi-serious I think Harry Styles has like major himbo energy like he's okay, just no, listen Harry Styles is like a like he gives me Aquarius uh air sign energy like he is just all over the fucking place like so <laughs> aloof like I you know as a as an Aquarius like I am like I totally know that you did not say one important thing with all the Chris Pine memes of him at the press conference when he's talking about the movie he's like you know it's it's just like a film that's like, like a movie like a like movie a film. Like, <laughs> I understand that so much and also you know what Harry Styles movie you shouldn't have you know that many edibles before you know you're about to get filmed <laughs> during yeah. a serious press yeah conference. I think he's just like living his life like on vibes alone yeah, on vibes alone. Like he just, you know, is a beautiful, you know, air sign or something. What is Harry Styles sign? All right, now I have to Google that too. Harry I'm surprised Styles. that wasn't the first thing you Googled. You know, right? Well, there was just a lot to like, I don't know. Digest. Actually, yeah, there was a lot to di digest here. Oh, he was born February 1st. So is he a Capricorn? Hold on. That's Capricorn or Pisces, right? Yeah, no, Pisces is after me. No, he, so he must be an Aquarius. He must be a fellow Aquarian. Hold on. When does Aquarius season happen? I should know this. <laughs> Harry Styles and I are both Aquariuses. What? what? You were right, dude. Damn. He, you know, it, Aquarians, game recognizes game. Wow. Yeah, just Whoa. living off vibes. Yeah, vibes. You are definitely living off the vibes, vibes as well. But yeah, so anyway, you know, Chris Pine in that press conference when he's like showing those memes, he really does look like a soccer mom there. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Like, and I think the thing is, is that I don't, okay. The main thing I have to say is I don't think he spit on him, but do I think there was tension? And do I think like Harry and Chris aren't the best of friends? Yes, I do. But do I think he spit on him? No, that was just some kind of like fuzz or something. That was like floating. I just feel like Chris Pine's totally jealous of Harry because like he wishes he could be Harry. Like everyone wants to be an Aquarius. Like, I'm sorry. Like this is just like. <laughs> You're right. You know, I don't cherish just... my Scorpio nature at all. Yeah. Like everyone just wants to be, you know, just an aloof Aquarius. You just, you know, flits about life and are just like, I don't know, have a godlike complex and are so insecure, but also confident at the same time. It's, it's wild. That's, that's both of you, I feel like. So Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles attend Don't Worry Darling screening in NYC. And they pose separately for photographs. And then Pine and Pew were not present at that. Uh, and then Olivia Wilde clears up Spitgate rumors because, of course, she has to defend her man. And then Olivia Wilde posts a photo with Harry Styles and Florence Pugh to celebrate the release of Don't Worry Darling. But I think, I think, I don't know if you told me this or if we were talking about it before, but um, Florence Pugh really wasn't doing a lot of promotion for this film. No. And what I heard was it actually was scheduling conflicts. Like they were saying, like they, meaning like the media were speculating, like that it was because her and Olivia weren't getting along, 
but apparently she had scheduling conflicts that were preventing her from, you know, going to all of the don't worry darling press. And that's what happened. So like every photo I see of like Florence is just like her being unbothered, her smiling, her being bubbly. Like, I feel like she is a good actress, but if she was that upset, she would even be like stone faced at the stuff she had to go to. I don't know. Well, also like, no, I'm not just talking about like, like physical appearances, but even like on her social media, she wasn't really doing that much promotion. Right, right. I'm looking at her. Which I mean, if she wants to hire me as a, you know, social media assistant, then I would be glad to um, help her out. I mean, her outfit alone, the Tiffany outfit. Oh yeah, that was stunning. Like amazing. So gorgeous. I feel like she's one of those women who can honestly put anything on her body and look fantastic. And it boggles my mind. Not that she's not beautiful. It's just of like how, how could you wear anything? So that brings us to October 13th, 2022. Olivia Wilde agrees with Florence Pugh that Don't Worry Darling sex scenes overshadowed the film. So I have thoughts about that too. Because I agree. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there was a lot of plot holes. um, And I don't know if that was just like, you know, uh, when you read the original Don't Worry Darling um, screenplay, it it does end a lot differently. Um, And I don't know if we want to get into spoilers or not. But I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it does end a little differently. And I mean, anyone can go and research you know, how it ends. But um, I mean, yeah, I think that, I think that they, I don't know if it was the cutting floor or the directing, but like, there is a clip of Olivia Wilde saying, you know, if a movie's bad, then basically the director is to blame. So, I mean, I think it depends on where you want to go with that, but. Yeah. I mean, that's some harsh criticism to put on like a whole job title, knowing that you're open to criticism like I think that makes people want to criticize her more but don't worry darling the film the film so the synopsis is that a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community that is a mouthful uh begins (laughs) to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets yes so this when I first watched it, reminded me of watching Inception uh-huh. and the Stepford Wives movie. Those were the first two movies that came to mind when I watched it. See, I thought of Stepford Wives and uh, anything that's been ever made by Darren Aronofsky, who made uh, Black Swan. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So when I saw this, I was just like, it seems like something he would make. That actually is such a good point. Um, it also reminded me of this story that we had to read in high school, uh, the woman with the yellow wallpaper. Uh-huh. I, don't I think I remember that. I don't know. Can you give me a short? So basically, she's mentally ill or going through some traumatic experience. I'm pretty sure, I don't know, it might just be, you know, um, I forget exactly what her her issue is, but her husband basically locks her in a room with yellow wallpaper uh-huh. And she just is circling the room around and around, just, you know, basically having a mental episode and not getting the actual help that she needs. Uh-huh. Wow. I don't remember that. <laughs> I definitely didn't read that. That is jarring. It's actually a woman's descent into madness. And it's called the and yellow wallpaper. it almost paper. is like the yellow wallpaper. Yeah. I mean, that is a good point. I think that it does devolve into um, Alice, who is played by Florence Pugh. Uh, she's the main character. It She ends up thinking she's descending into madness when she's actually getting closer and closer to the secret of the community, which I think is a great kind of point. Um, and uh, not to get away from the topic, because I do want to talk about the plot more, um, but I think this is where it was delightfully like surprising to me because uh, the way that some people criticized that it was being overshadowed by sex scenes, I think it made it sultry and like cerebral where uh, 
you thought you were getting just like this like kind of thriller with a lot of sex scenes and like Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde wearing beautiful dresses and it was really this trippy kind of thriller kind of almost David Lynch kind of weirdness so I think that's why it got some criticism because people weren't expecting it to get as weird as it did I don't know yeah and I think that a lot of people who like need like a consistent plot yeah um would have a problem with it because it it definitely there's a lot of layers yeah (laughs) yeah there was a lot of like foreshadowing there was a lot of symbolism that I don't think I caught at all um but yeah that it's just in each scene like there's more to it than you think there is but it kind of makes it seem like a bait and switch kind of situation like people that didn't do their research on the film would have thought it was a lot softer than it was it turned out to be yeah it 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 definitely um it definitely was a complex film I mean I think that you know obviously you have a star cast and that always helps I I think a film and and especially with you know how much drama there was surrounding the film (laughs) Florence Pugh gave a performance of her lifetime um you know Harry Harry Styles is just icon um and I was completely fine with his acting like I thought I think that he gave it the old college try he did his best um I think that some of the some of his acting was funny but I think it's just because I felt awkward in that moment. It wasn't exactly like that. The content of like what he was acting was funny. It's just like, I felt like uncomfortable watching. Yeah. Fold. Um, so that's why, like, I think a couple of times, like you and I looked at each other and we just started like giggling. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and everybody in the theater, I feel like was just staring like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And yeah. we're just giggling. <laughs> Um, I think that the costuming was great. Um, it was, it was like candy, like it was like candy for your brain until it wasn't. Um, and you saw like crumbling. Yeah. And then you, yeah, you, you just saw everything like, just, I don't know, actually like there's so many layers I can't even, but like, there's just a lot of background and like foreground and like middle grounds. I don't know. There was just a lot of layers. Um, and I think that, I think that Olivia Wilde, like her acting, like in the film, like I, I did not need her character. Like I she was one dimensional. Yeah. yeah. I did not need her character in the film, but I think that, you know, if her and Florence Pugh like teamed up with some directing, um, I think that, that some, I think that one article said that like Florence Pugh took over directing it for some parts. Yeah. Um, I just love that it's directed by a woman. Um, I think that you just gain so much more insight when, and you, you gain a lot more from, I guess, the story when it's directed by a woman. Cause I think that there's these um, nuances that, that women can give to, um, you know, film directing, acting um, that you just kind of don't always get with a male director. Right. I mean, yeah, I, yeah no, I agree. I think that you miss something if you just watch male directors because it's not anything bad. It's just a different experience. I think that Olivia paints a picture that is very meticulous and intentional. Like nothing is just shot for no reason, uh, which I think she has that kind of sense about her. Uh, And additionally, Uh, I wonder, and I know this is presumptuous, but I wonder if, you know, some of the criticism uh, for the film was because she was a female director. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that everyone um, judges, you know, women in, you know, male roles much more critically than they would, you know, the male counterpart, um, if that makes sense. Right. If someone else's name was attached to it, I just wonder if it would have gotten some of the criticism. I'm not saying it was the perfect film, like by any means, like it was not, you know, the next, I don't know, Citizen Kane or whatever, which is actually not a great movie, but whatever is highly regarded. But it was, I think it was way, way better than um, some of the critics gave it credit for. And uh, Um, I think that Chris Pine, he makes a marvelous villain. And I didn't realize Nick Kroll was in this film. Like I know. I think it's because everyone was so focused. I think everyone was so focused on um, 
you know, all of the drama that like, I don't know, Nick Kroll, like, just like, I, I was like, oh, he's in this and he's really serious in this film. Yeah, um, there's and, nothing really funny about him. No, and I, I love him as like a comedian um, and as like an actor and I love everything, else, like all of his other works. But like, I hope that we get to see him in more serious roles. And I also think that we need to see Chris Pine as in more villain roles. Um, yes, because instead I feel of like the Chris, goody boy. Like, yeah, I feel like Chris Pine always like plays like the golden boy. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. I just really liked him as like a darker villain. I agree. It gave him some depth because I think he was kind of like pigeonholed into that kind of like pretty boy, like you said, golden boy attitude. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was really sinister and I liked it. I was like, ooh, spicy pine. Like the only Chris Pine film that I actually can bring to my mind um, is uh, him in The Princess Diaries 2. It <laughs> was like the only like Chris Pine movie that like I feel like I like know off the top of my head that he was in that movie. He was in the new Star Trek movies. See, like I'm not really a Star Trek fan, so. Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, he was a Wonder Woman. But, like, I think of Wonder Woman first. I don't really think of Chris Pine. Like, he was kind of, like, her, her, like, love interest, but... Yeah, he was just, like, a damsel. Yeah. He wasn't as awesome as Diana was. I mean, by no means. Queen. Queen. Okay, so first off, I have to say that I also added salt and pepper to the salad dressing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I also put salt and pepper in the salad dressing. I'm not sure what it would be without it. Yeah, and then I also let it sit for a little bit, and Mm. then I just ate it, and it's, it, it seems like it has time to, like, get married to the salad. Like, the dressing Mm -hmm. needs to get mixed in and, like, really covered all the greens so it's Mm -hmm. not so bitter. I think that makes a difference. But yeah. anyway. Anywho. Well, if you have not seen Don't Worry Darling, then we just wanted to give you a little spoiler warning. Um, Jersey horn. Yeah, you know. Um, come back, you know, and listen to us after you watch it. Or you can push on through. But just a spoiler warning, we are going to talk about the third act. So, t- Caitlin, take it away. Oh gosh, what am I saying? A lot of pressure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, all right. Before that, we have not given adequate time to the female pleasure scene. So I feel like we should talk about that first. Are you talking about when Harry Styles like eats out Florence Pugh, or are you are you talking about something different? Am I not on the same wavelength? I don't. Yes, Harry Styles eating out Florence Pugh. (laughs) Yes. So. that was hot um however once you get into the third act i felt weird about it yeah so as it stands alone without the context of like what happens later in the movie it was hot yeah now in the context of knowing what happens and um i feel like we'll just say um at its at its simplest point they're in a simulation uh, they're they're in a simulation. So once you know that fact, and we will come around to more detail on how we get there. <laughs> um, but it almost a huge thing to just throw out. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, once you know that though, that scene thinking about it again is kind of like the perfect mix between like the real world and the fantasy of this simulation. Because who would just come home from work and just eat out their wife? like, and throw dinner all over the floor. Like, you have to clean that up. And that's what she did all day for you. And you have to, now she's going to make more work for her. She's going to have to fucking vacuum. I don't know. But I need my wine for this. I need, I need, I need to chug some wine if we're going to go here. (laughs) But that's fine. But why I say it's the perfect mix between the real world and fantasy is because you'd only do that if you were in a simulation. Like, you'd, you'd, be able to let go of all of the things that would hinder you from doing that and just like go balls deep you know unless you had a really healthy sex life i don't know i mean that is that is healthy that is like fitness guru i mean like i'd be pissed about the ruined dinner like yeah that's like oh wait can you just like hold on like one second let me just put this roast like on a different table because I spend a lot of time on it and roast is expensive. Like, yeah. you know, with inflation prices, like we're just not like knocking that to the ground. 
listen, they were spending victory dollars. All right. That's pretty much like V bucks in Fortnite. All right. So yeah, they had money system is confusing too. (laughs) I think it was pretty much like the money didn't really even matter because they were in the community and everything was like paid for. So pretty much. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about the simulation because like, I feel like the world was like how, like their simulation world was like half built. Like I'm like. It was like a beta. Yeah. I I don't get it. Like, is it like, cause he, so Harry Styles character has to leave every day. Are we getting, are we doing this? We're doing this. He has to leave every day to go take care of his comatose wife who like does not realize that she's in the simulation. And then he comes back and like, that's like when like the guys like go to work, like quote unquote work, like they're actually leaving to go take care of their wives. Well, they also have to go to work too. Yeah. Yeah, Like, so like, what? Yeah. (laughs) So every day the men go to work in the simulation um, and they all go to the victory project and no one knows what the victory project is and why it exists and what the men do there. But the women just stay home and they fulfill their, you know, societal, um, you know, 1950s duty of, you know, cooking dinner, having it ready for the man when he comes home. But uh, Um, really what they say is their desires. That's like, that's what the program says is like, this is what female act females actually desire when they don't have to work, which is, it makes you feel gross. Um, but yeah, so when they go off to work, uh, they are actually logging out and going to work in the real world. And as people discover this fact, uh, they go seemingly crazy, uh, which is the whole de-evolution of Florence Pugh and her sanity, which I love watching Florence Pugh go insane. Like in, don't worry, darling. I don't know if you've ever seen Midsommar, but, um, oh my God, her performance in that chef's kiss. But, uh, there is nothing better than seeing Florence Pugh become unhinged and like being the feminist, like icon we need her to be. She's just, she was ripping and roaring all through that final scene. Homie can act. Like, there's no doubt about it. But, like, I don't know. The thing that annoyed me about Alice was, like, what made her different than every other, you know, wife who's, like, in the simulation? Like, like it's almost like a, is it because she was a doctor and, like, somehow, like, you know, that comes into play? Like, like once, like, she... I don't know, like how, like how is her brain different than everyone else's? Like how, like is it like because it's short circuits? Like is it because you know she's starting to realize how repetitive everything is? Is she recognizing a pattern? Like is she have this crazy insane IQ? Like I just had a lot of questions about like how her role as a doctor made her different to everyone else, and especially when you see Chris Pine's character being like, "No, I love this. I love that you're challenging me like this. Like I'm so turned on by how." you're challenging me um with your you know smart ass little brain and obviously like he knows that she's smarter than harry styles character right and i think that the reason chris pine does that even um past the point that he's probably like an incel in real life but uh to the simplest fact i think that chris pine loves it because he's like you're helping me strengthen my code it's pretty much like she is like a quality tester in a video game who is like finding the bugs in the system because you have to consider, I think that Alice is just the ballsiest out of all of the wives. I don't think she's necessarily the first or even like close to the first woman to realize what was going on, but they kind of would, you know, digitally lobotomize them and just make them forget what happened. And they would go back to just thinking that their life was great, but I think that Alice and her real world connection to her husband and his ultimate kind of admitting to her what was going on uh, made for like the perfect storm of her taking this shit down. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely fascinating to watch and I definitely want to see that movie again because I feel like when you're first watching it, you really don't understand what's happening. <laughs> the whole time I was like, excuse me. I'm like, wait what like I feel like my brain just like exploded like it was just like I don't understand what's going on and then like of course like 
as an Aquarian, like I had an existential crisis afterwards because I'm like, what if we're all in a simulation? Like, what if none of this is real? Does it matter? I don't know. I don't know if it does. Like, and I think maybe that's like the point of the movie. Like, does this matter? Like, I don't know. Is this weird? Like, I don't know. I I think the part that makes a difference from like a Matrix scenario, and I feel like even if you've never seen the Matrix, like you could relate to it because it's so popular. But uh, I think the difference between that and like the philosophy of like a simulation is like who's consenting. Like, yeah, like in in the Matrix, not a spoiler because it's like 30 years old, but everyone's non-consenting. Well, eventually some people know about the Matrix, but in the beginning, pretty much everyone in the human race is just turned off. Like everyone's in the simulation. They don't know they're in a simulation. But with Don't Worry, Darling, it feels icky and wrong because the women don't know. Like, Well, for the most part, um, Olivia Wilde's character does know. Um, and some other women maybe do as well. Um, I don't think it's fair. It could be, you know, that some of the women are, are their, their own choosing. Um, but I think the main thing is a lot of them aren't. Like, right. there's a lot of, like... They didn't know. They didn't know. Like, there's, a, like, a lot of these wives, if you see it, they have, you know, the same story of how they met their husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of these husbands are quote-unquote husbands are like kidnapping these women yeah um and forcing them into this simulation uh and it and it's it's strange it's strange to really think about and it makes me like kind of sick to my stomach to like think about like these women didn't all consent right in this and, most and it just totally most didn't and like it just completely changes it and obviously like alice's character like i don't really think that she consented to it like absolutely I'm, not but i also wish that i had not that it would help but like I wish I had more of their backstory of like what was their relationship like because you only got a brief like you only got like little snippets of it right so it would almost make you think that that at one point they were kind of like equals um and that they loved each other and then it kind of went downhill but on the other side of the coin because of the lack of development it could be that you know Florence Pugh's character of Alice is really just living with her dead end boyfriend and the spark died long, long ago. And he kind of wanted to prove he was a man. Uh, so he trapped her in the simulation. It's hard to tell if there was truly that strong love and it, it was kind of like put on hold because of society. Like he explains it was, yeah. or was it like done and this was his way of like fixing it. But it's also interesting because it's like, how long was she in the simulation? Because we don't always have, like, we don't have these answers. I don't no. know. But like, how long was she in the simulation before she started realizing like, sh- like shit was getting weird? Like, how, like, like, I guess this is just more of her like awakening of like yeah. realizing that she's in a simulation. But it, it, it's just really fascinating to me. I mean, I, 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 typically enjoy dystopias because like I love watching them fall apart uh-huh. um, and I think that this film definitely does that you watch this like you know quote-unquote perfect society you watch the victory project like everything like seems like you know I don't know this like time where like men are obsessed with like women being in like submissive positions as like housewives and it's just like that is just not realistic and I think that there's something really dangerous in thinking that women should be in these submissive, you know, positions, because obviously like how to, like for men, it's like how to gaslight someone. Yeah. <laughs> like like a, a, a masterclass in gaslighting and then like a masterclass in manipulation and a masterclass mm-hmm. in like toxic masculinity. I, I can agree with all those points. I don't even need to elaborate. Done, done and done. Check, <laughs> Seriously. Check, check. check. Yeah. The connotations are kind of frightening. Yeah, um, I had a couple of questions um, that are more, I guess, philosophical. I guess my problem was with the film, like there was really a lack of diversity. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a little distracting when I was watching the film initially. I, I just feel like it's something that I, I now look for, like, mm-hmm. because I mean, obviously, um, I forget the actor, but there was drama around her scenes getting cut. Um, I forget what her name was in the film, which is not helpful. But basically, the woman that that fell off the yeah uh yeah I forget her name, Kiki Lane. 
yeah, she she was talking about how her her role really got cut in the film. And to me, like, I feel like, like it was a little confusing on why, you know, she I feel like there could have been a little bit more of, of like a build up to her freaking out. Um, I feel like yeah. that happened really quickly in the film. And I think that there, there could have been a little bit more development on that because like what made her, you know, start glitching. I don't know. I feel like that would have brought more sense of like why Florence Pugh's character started realizing that something's not right. It, it was a little confusing for me. Like, I, I just, I mean, I, I understand that Florence Pugh's character was like a doctor in her former life, or I think she was a surgeon. A surgeon, um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously like it would make sense why she would glitch or start to glitch because, you know, someone else starts to glitch and it seems like all of the women are somehow connected in that aspect of uh-huh. like, they're all, I don't know, like lobotomized into this digital world where like they forget everything before. I don't know. It's just weird. It's, it's, it's weird how they're all connected because obviously like in, like in Florence Pugh's instance, when she's Alice and starts to like freak out at the end, you know, all these other women start like becoming conscious of, right. of, of something not being right. She has such a great moment, but how many of them do you think will just be, you know, lobotomized and like, is it really going to start a revolution? Yes. Only if Florence Pugh can prove that there's like an underground ring of, but if they bury it beforehand, it'll be like nothing ever happened. That's like the part you see, like in the real world, like, is she going to make a difference or not? And then like, I just don't understand how they, how their, their simulation bodies die. Yeah. Like how you die in real life. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I don't think that's like giving anything away, but I mean, I just don't understand how, like, you know, you could, you can die in the simulation and, and die in real life. Yeah, it, it makes little sense. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me. That that part's very confusing. I think that's like a little bit of like a suspension of belief or like sci-fi technology. Yeah, probably. You just have to imagine that their consciousness was uploaded into the cloud or whatever. So like you're their killing, souls. Yeah, yeah, like their souls. Uh, it's kind of like you can't really explain that other than like, oh, it's science fiction, you know? I know. It just makes my mind want to explode, though. Like, it just is yeah. like, like, why? Why yeah, did he like, why? die? Yeah. It's almost like too, like, cerebral for me at times. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I I don't know if I'm smart enough for this, but. Um... <laughs> and that's like a thing with films like this. Like, people wonder, like, is it as smart as we give it credit for? Or are we trying to look into so much that makes it smart, you know? Like, and that's why people criticize films like this because you can leave something so abstract that you're not actually doing a job at storytelling. Like you're yeah. leaving it so abstract that you're making the, the audience work. I don't think that was necessarily the case in Don't Worry Darling, but I've seen films like this one that have left so much up to the viewer's imagination that you're like, you just don't care. Like you didn't write any point to this. This is just like, yeah, figure it out yourself. And you're like, okay. Yeah, I could have. While you eat your salad. Okay. I let it simmer. It's so good. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. Like, like my one criticism for Don't Worry Darling is I really could have used less of the weird dancing sequences. Like (laughs) give me more plot and less of the (sighs) weird dancing sequences because I really wanted more plot. Like, like those dancing sequences <laughs> probably took plot. up like 15 minutes where mm-hmm. you could have been expanding the plot more. Like we get it. Like, like she's like, I mean, I know it all ties in together and like, whatever, like you can go see the film and, and see how the dance sequences tie into the film. But like, it, it just, why? Like, I, I think it's like a pacing thing too, because like, could have all that been included in the film without like cutting any scene sure like it could have but um I think you could have like cut some of it like like I said it was like an issue of pacing where some of those dance sequences like you said went on for too long like you could have kept like I don't know let's say there were three of them in the movie you could have kept all three in there if you wanted it to be like a visual representation of something but holy crap it went on for too long and it kind of felt like parts of this were like an art film yeah. like they were doing it for the visuals like right. I got a film that has nothing to do with this film but has a similar vibe uh Black Swan um 
yeah. uses a lot of dance imagery. Obviously, she's a ballerina, um, Suspirida as well, which is a older film and it's a horror movie, uses dance as a device to really make you feel uneasy. Um, so it's definitely a device in films, but I just feel like she could have cut a lot of it and made it the same point, the same point yeah. would have been made. Kind of like when I talk, like we could have cut it down, but it's fine. <laughs> well, it's with Black Swan, like, and I'm glad you brought that film up because I don't think that film got enough accolades or maybe it did and I just missed it. I don't know. But like, <laughs> It got a lot, but. But like, I feel like the way that that film was directed and shot, it was artistic, but, you know, you really were in the psyche of, you know, um, Natalie Portman's character in wanting to perform the perfect black swan mm-hmm. um, and the white swan. And you were in, and it was a play on like innocence and, you know, being sheltered, but then also having like all these like issues, you know, with her scratching and herself and like whatnot and like self, you know, harm and um, just, you know, all of the issues with her mother who was like really overbearing um, and all of her body issues, like it, it just made sense. And all of the decisions that the director ma- made made sense to me. And obviously the end of Black, Black Swan is just so beautiful mm-hmm. and disturbing. And like, you're like, holy shit, like what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, you're just like, wow, like she literally gave her life for this role mm-hmm. and she achieved it, but now she's dead. Yeah. Spoilers for Black Swan, sorry. <laughs> it's like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, yeah, you know, it's just with some of the decisions that were made in directing of this film were kind of confusing. I don't mm-hmm. think that they enhanced it. I think that at times the directing was, I don't, I don't know if Olivia Wilde, like, I think she started off strong and then, you know, towards the third act, she really didn't know where this train was going anymore like she just like lost some of the the impact because she spent so much time building it up Mm -hmm. and then it was just really rushed during the third act and then you're just kind of like wait but what like (laughs) wait what like wait what yeah and and I don't know like I feel like I feel like you you could have had a a Florence Pugh's character start to realize things a little bit earlier or I don't know I just I don't know how I would have made that film better. I, yeah. I think it would start with the dance sequences and then go from there. Um, I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, you could have had her find out sooner um, and maybe even like 15 minutes sooner and had more of the struggle of her trying to get out. Because yeah. her trying to get out was like, I think five minutes. Like yeah, her first attempt, she was like, boom, we did it. We're out. We're outie. Like it could have been like more of that back and forth, that cat and mouse where she already knew she was in the simulation yeah. and she was trying to get out of it instead of like making that the very end of the film. I don't know. I kind of wanted to ask you, like, would you be a part of the simulation knowing that un- people weren't aware knowing that other people weren't aware that they were in the simulation like Olivia Wilde's character like would you just be like a willing participant even though you knew that other women maybe not have had the same experience and might have you know it might have been like a kidnapped or creepy situation no okay no like I could probably expand upon that but I wouldn't would you no yeah. I think if, I think like the, the hard question for me to think about is if I would be in it, if I knew everyone was consenting, like would I want to plug into that world instead of like being in a real world. Yeah. I mean, it's coming like, you know, the metaverse, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> we have a long way to go before the metaverse <laughs> looks like, don't worry, darling. You never know. You never know. There could be a victory project out there, you know? I mean, there, there most assuredly is honestly, there's some dubious things probably. But um, the metaverse just got legs, I think. They just introduced, like, legs on your avatars. So I think we're a little bit off from that, but... I don't know. I'm just saying that there's probably some computer whiz, like, in a creepy basement, like, making making their own victory project. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, and then, like, another question is, like, God forbid, like, say, like, you know, your loved one was in a coma and you knew that they would never wake up. 
like, would you somehow find a way to enter them into this world so you could be with them or they're conscious? That probably. Yeah. If they knew, like, I feel like it would almost be like that uh, episode. Like, say of, their last wishes were, you know. That you could, like, yeah. upload me into this consciousness. Yeah. Then probably. Yeah. I would definitely. I I don't know if that's the most moral thing to do or whatever, but I would probably. I think I would too. I mean, I don't know if it was like a like consent thing. Like if they were like, yes, you can put me in this. Yeah, put me in the the cloud. Yeah, put me in the cloud. Upload me to the cloud if anything happens to like my physical body. Yeah, I don't know. It's it 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 either and there's like a ton of weird questions I have like that. Like after I watched the film, and then I was like, I have to stop at some point because. Yeah, I think that's the crazy thing about philosophy is like you could think yourself into a hole for like hours. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about like ethics and morals and like what if. So I also wanted to talk about like some like male reviewers for this film. Yeah. Like Richard Roper, who um, works for the Chicago Sun, he gave Don't Worry Darling two stars. Two. Of, yeah, two stars, I believe, out of four or five. It's probably five. I think it's probably five. Yeah. That's um, harsh. It is harsh. Um, I I think I would give it a three. Yeah. I don't think it's the best film that I've ever seen, but I think that there there was definitely a lot of a lot of thought that went into it. Um, I think that the third act really like fell apart, but you know I really enjoyed watching the first two acts of mm-hmm. of the film. I hate the end, but yeah, three is I fair. I hate the end, but I didn't love it. Yeah. 70% out of 100. Yeah. Are there <laughs> that, other reviewers? No. <laughs> just staring at each other? <laughs> no, that was just... Yeah. Basically but, Richard Roper, like, yeah. Was... But it makes you wonder. I mean, like, I don't want to, like, pull that card out, like, definitely without all my research on my end. But, like, is some of it kind of like the criticism of, like, the male ego? Yeah. That, that hurt people's feelings? Or is it a true review of you know the flaws of the film because i just i don't think it's as bad as some of these reviews give it credit for i i don't think it's the worst movie that i've ever seen or anywhere near it i i enjoyed it i had a fun time at the film um yeah and i think it go ahead so rotten tomatoes the tomato meter gave it 38 percent 30 38 but the audience score, so 38% is from uh, 315 reviews. Uh-huh. Now, for the audience score, it got 74%. Yeah, and I think that's fair. A thousand verified ratings, a thousand plus verified ratings. So obviously, like, you know, the critic conscious, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is Despite an intriguing array of talent on either side of the camera, Don't Worry Darling is a mostly muddled rehash of overly familiar themes. That's a fair criticism. I guess. Whatever. Um, (laughs) And then um, the audience says, the ending isn't for everyone, but the cast, especially Florence Pugh, helps Don't Worry Darling make the most out of a story with fairly few surprises. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I was a little bit more surprised that they were in a simulation, I guess, than other people. But uh, I think both of those criticisms are fair, though. Um, so maybe I, I backtrack on what it... Well, mm, no, it's not fair because there's definitely some hater nation out in there. I, I, I'm... But I think the consensus on both the uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic score and the audience score, that's that's fair. I mean, I think there was missed talent, uh, like the critics said. I think that there was a lot of great names uh, working on this film, but I just think it, it fell apart a little bit. But boy, did I have a blast with this yeah. surreal. <laughs> it's a lot yeah, I want to see it again. I want to see what else Olivia Wilde does. I want to see what Harry Styles does next because I just love him and his fluidity of, you know, just being the prettiest boy I could find. Like, 
he's yeah I think that it's and I I wish that I mentioned this way earlier but like it kind of had some like Hitchcock tones like a yeah. little bit a little bit it's um, a little Hitchcockian definitely yeah a little bit um and then yeah I really loved I loved the potential of the film I think I loved the cast of the like the film I'm Olivia Wilde, I didn't realize that she was on the OC um, yeah. back in the day. Uh, and that was fun to like rehash for myself. And then somehow she, you know, messed up Jason Sudeikis' life um, by being for <laughs> Harry Styles, which whatever. But yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot of takeaways here. And, you know, I certainly had fun seeing it with you. And I hope that we get um, to um, see My Policeman, uh, which Harry yes. Styles is also in. And then we can kind of do a podcast on that because I think that'd be really fun. I am ready for more Harry Styles. I love him. As it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um this has been overcaffeinated with attitude. I hope you enjoyed listening. Um and be sure to follow us on Spotify. Uh and then you know would love to hear from you uh what you thought about the film if you saw it. So yeah and stay tuned for more podcasts from us. Yeah, DM us on Instagram with your thoughts of the film and uh, what we should talk about next. Love you. Bye. Bye.